Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast that certainly consists of two dudes who are down bad. I am Jared Storm of MazeandBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of MazeandBrew.com. Andy, I know how you're doing over there. We're here. What uh, what else is there to say about what happened uh, last night in the Elite Eight? It it all hurts. Life's been pretty gloomy today. It's raining here, which kind of feels like a cliche, but it fits. I don't know. This isn't the way I pictured this team going out, and I think it's the way they went out is what just stings me. It's like Michigan was just – they beat themselves. I agree. And look, we weren't even supposed to be here. We weren't supposed to make it this far. We were the trendy upset pick. I mean, all the way up into you know the first round, people were like, oh, you know, watch out for Michigan. No Isaiah Livers. So to get this far was great. But the fact that it was an 11 seed, not great. Uh, the fact that it's the same team that took out Michigan State. So they're surely going to get some barbs in, although I don't care whatsoever. No. And the fact that, yeah, the worst fact is that this game was so winnable. If any one of 25 things goes slightly different, I mean, this was a hundred points scored in total and it was a one possession game. And I mean, what would we miss our last eight shots at the end of this game? So much could have gone in our way to, to advance in this one. And yeah, it's just a shame to go out like that. And the ugliest game I can remember watching. Yeah. This is the worst loss for me as a fan in basketball since the 2013 Louisville one. That one hurt because it just kind of felt like we got robbed of it. And this right. one hurt for entirely different reasons. Like in 18, like made it to the final against Nova. They were just a juggernaut. Like there was nothing anybody was going to do in that game. And the other tournament lost, you know, played okay, but you didn't really expect too much from that. And this team sucked us in so much and they were so much fun and the culture and everything that had been built this year, Jawan, all the magic surrounding the program just felt like, they deserve better than they did. They should have beaten UCLA in nine times out of 10. I think they do because like you said, you mentioned some of the things that went wrong. The free throw shooting was the worst of the season. And Franz Wagner played one of his three worst games ever. And Juzang had 28 of their 51 points. Dude, Juzang was unstoppable. I mean, that was just going unconscious. And I, I don't really know what you do about that. And yeah, the, the Franz Wagner thing, he had a historically bad entire tournament from three-point range. Did the math just before this. He was one or two for 16, which is 12% from three, which is not, not going to get it done. Um, and then Dickinson, rough game for him. Really a rough game for everyone except for Brandon Johns, Austin Davis, and Sean Day Brown in this one. And, you know, Mike Smith, who was kind of hot and cold in, in the entire tournament, was cold in this one. And... <sighs> Yeah, man, it, it was just it was a shame to see them just not rise to the occasion or find that guy on the team who who could rise to the occasion. Although you and I kind of think he was there all along and it was Shonda Brown. Yeah, Shonda Brown had a consistently good tournament and consistency wasn't a word we really associated with him all season. It was fantastic in this game. Two of three from three. We thought he should have had one of the last looks. Brandon Johns single handedly kept us in this game in the first half. Single handedly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And those two shot the best percentage if you look at the box score. And I don't think you should. I mean, if you want, I think it'd be more enjoyable to read a victim's list from a plane crash. <laughs> but 
it's it's a rough box score, but Johns and, and Brown were actually uh, positives in this. And as was Austin Davis, who I thought gave us great minutes. Austin Davis is 45 years old. There's no way you can convince me otherwise. He is a gym teacher. They just pulled off the street somewhere. But that gym teacher balled. When they put him, they isolated him one-on-one a lot so they weren't collapsing down like they would on Dickinson. He was putting guys in the blender. I love the work he did. He was really tenacious on the boards as well. So, I mean, more – I thought he could have had some more minutes down the stretch. Uh, you and I were texting down the stretch and I kept saying, I want Brown and Davis in here because the energy they were bringing and the fact that they were scrapping for offensive boards, we did out rebound them in this game, but you couldn't tell me that from watching it. It didn't seem like we were out rebounding them because they were getting them in very key spots. We were just missing everything. And Dickinson only having two rebounds is part of the reason why it probably seems that way, too. It was so frustrating. I think that's the best way to describe this performance from the team and just everything around it is frustrating. Like, Michigan was so much better. Mike Smith missing two free throws. Mike Smith getting the drawn-up step back after we knew it didn't work against Ohio State, and he's already cold in this game. Like, you got to feed the hot hand. And I think some of that goes on Jawan. Like, you know, he's not exempt from all criticism. I could have done some things better there. It wasn't the – I mean, he coached some masterpieces in this tournament, just masterpieces, and this wasn't one of them. Like, Shonday Brown should have had the look. Maybe, you know, you get somebody inside to get some foul trouble with those, like, when it's under a minute to go. But holding this team to 51 points is awesome. It's a great defensive effort. But only scoring 49, 49 points is just inexcusable with how good this team is. And – this was the game we saw. We needed Isaiah Livers to win it for us. Yeah, we knew it would come to bite us eventually. I thought it would be against Gonzaga in a week. I thought we'd find a way to get through this. But, yeah, there was plenty of blame to go around. So the people that are putting this all on Franz Wagner because he airballed that one shot, like there were still several looks after that. Mike Smith came and had a step-back look. That was a good look, but I did not want him shooting that. That was the same shot they got against Ohio State to try and win it. Yeah, Mike Smith does not hit step-back threes. I mean, that's a very difficult shot for anyone to hit. I mean, unless you're like Damian Lillard or James Harden. Yeah. Like that's not a super high percentage shot. So yeah, with 4.8 seconds or six seconds, whatever they were ended up, ended up getting after that when they, you know, were fortunate to get another look, they had so many chances to get one to go down in this and, and nobody could get it to go down. And it, it, man, it was just, it was very frustrating and the most frustrating offensive performance I I think I've ever seen. It was tough, but again, when the tournament started, we said, what's a success? What's a uh, successful tournament run for this team? And we said that would be getting to the next weekend, just getting to the Sweet 16 without Isaiah Livers, the way they were playing. And this team sucked us in, man. We believed, and they were better than this, but still an Elite Eight without your best or maybe most important player and senior leader on the court is still a great accomplishment. I mean, we were predicted sixth in the Big Ten, and we ended up in the Elite Eight. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a bummer that it ended that way, but I look back at this season, and I know I'm going to look back on it fondly. I'm not there quite yet. No. Um, you know, I'm still hurting as of right now because 49 points offensively, but this was a great team. So the people, like, spewing all this vitriol and, and all this stuff, and I mean, I, I, I've been mostly offline today because I know what's going on out there. Like, take a deep breath and, like, I don't know, Look at the bright side. Go out and smell the flowers. This was a great run by a great team. That was a ton of fun to watch. And like you said, man, like we were pretty much counted out all year. I mean, we we got that one seed, but a lot of people were still kind of, you know, sneering at that. And, you know, we knew Livers wasn't going to be there pretty early on for this entire tournament. And these guys 
a lot of them stepped up and you know i i would love to see a lot of these dudes come back they all have the option to yeah, everyone on this team does due to the covid rules so it'd be really interesting to see how that shakes out and with the roster spots next year and who we're bringing in but only one team's going to win the championship that's how it is like you're you're more than likely going to lose everybody is except one team so it's frustrating how they went out, but reaching the Elite Eight with Hunter Dickinson as a freshman and how much room this team has to grow together and what Juwan Howard's doing, I guarantee he's going to be better next year. The whole team's going to be better next year at certain positions, especially if we get pieces coming back we don't expect. Maybe you get the Franz Wagner coming back. Maybe Isaiah Livers comes back. Eli Brooks has already talked about it. Because a lot of these guys, besides, you know, save Franz, aren't projected high at all in the NBA draft, if at all. Like, Isaiah Livers is a second-round pick on a good day. <laughs> yeah, um, Shonda Brown may have played himself into the second round in this tournament as well. I don't understand why he wouldn't be. He's athletic. He's 6'5". He can shoot the three. He shoots free throws. He plays good defense. It's exactly what people are looking for in the NBA. So he'll get a look as a second-round guy or a G League guy, maybe as undrafted, if he wants it. But Eli Brooks, to me, would be a, a no-brainer to, to come back, I would think. Yeah, well, I mean, that's going to do – I mean – do an adult thing and go on with your career or girlfriend or fiance or, you know, get your, don't yeah, we don't, don't, don't do that. It's basketball. Come on. <laughs> Think about this team coming back next year with hopefully fans and getting to play in front of oh. fans. Hunter Dickinson will thrive with fans as emotional as he plays. Yeah, absolutely, man. I uh, want to take a moment to talk about our newest sponsor, Home Field Apparel out of Indianapolis. Incredibly comfortable, incredibly affordable sportswear brand with the best, the most comprehensive selection of college apparel that I've seen anywhere in the, in the game. Um, if you're a Michigan fan like me, you know, you've probably already got a few old school, a few new, new school, but they've got all of that in one collection for you. And, you know, just because... We're thinking about a disappointing loss. Doesn't mean you still shouldn't go out and find something to support your team. I'll be wearing my Michigan colors no matter what, win or lose. And Homefield has got you covered. Licensed apparel company. And you can get a discount on your first purchase with at homefieldapparel.com with the code MNB. All right. So uh, I kind of want to go backwards a little bit before we you know go go any further on the loss. You and I didn't really get to talk about that. Uh, Florida State game too much and I mean it was it was really a beat down of epic proportions and that was so much fun to watch so like going back and thinking about that and and how disappointed we are right now but like I'm trying to to summon the emotion that I was feeling after that because that was maybe the height of the season if I don't know if you agree maybe my favorite victory of the season I, I would agree with favorite victory I think these two games back to back and maybe the first Ohio State game in the regular season were some of the highs of the year it was just so much fun at that time and yeah. coming off the LSU game a week later giving Jawan a week to set this up comes out with new sets new looks all the adjustments they made at halftime and just ran Florida State off the court in the second half the Seminoles cut it to five Team didn't blink and then just started the beat down. And Michigan, again, didn't shoot well. Didn't shoot well from the free throw line. And if they'd done that and played at their peak, they could have 30-pieced this team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It could have been a, an even worse beat down. And 
it was it was just one of the best moments of the year and not having Isaiah Livers on the court I don't know if it'll take my number one spot that might go to you know when we were on that run and dominating Minnesota and Wisconsin earlier in the season but this victory against Florida State was like a complete team victory Brandon Johns man like he was maybe the player of of the whole tournament for us consistent as could be night in and night out where Hunter Dickinson and Franz Wagner were up and down. Mike Smith was up and down Johns and, and Sean day Brown were like rock solid in this game. And, and for the whole tournament, Johns was such a revelation. Like I, everyone kept telling them they spoke about it in practice that you can take over games. Like you can be one of the best players on any court you step on. And you could tell he started to play that way. It was just fantastic in this game and go on runs of his own. He and Dickinson both controlled the paint. Sean day Brown continued to hit threes. Franz picked it up late, had that beautiful ball fake on the drive. I mean, oh my God, it was such a fun game. What they did, Michigan did defensively against Florida State was impressive. And when you and I were talking during the game, I made the comparison that Florida State is just a team of athletes. They look like a football team playing at the rec center in the offseason. Like, just didn't really seem organized on the court. Had all this size, all this athleticism and talent, but Michigan just went to work on them systematically and just a thorough, thorough ass kicking. (laughs) That's why I wanted to get Alabama instead of UCLA. You know, well, A, I'd rather play the the two seeds so that we're kind of, you know, viewed as an underdog and they play better when they're they're playing with that mentality. But also Alabama's just like a bunch of guys that try to out-athlete and out-shoot you. And I'm like, oh, Michigan's execution will be so much better. Whereas UCLA just tries to throw a, a piece of metal and stones into your gears and absolutely gum up the machine. And, and they did. Like, I would have much rather seen Alabama because they kind of reminded me of Florida State. And like, I think we could have done a lot of similar things against them. I think so as well. And man, what UCLA did with Mick Cronin just to get Michigan really off their game was he said they just they made it a rock fight. They just made it dirty. They knew that's how they were going to win. They rode their best player. And Michigan could never find itself, could never establish their pace, their style, anything like that. Michigan would go on a little run, get back in it, and then Juicing would hit an incredible shot. And I, it's not sustainable. They're going to get 20-pieced by Gonzaga. <laughs> just That's inevitable. Sure. But, uh, man, credit to them for the way they played. But you're right, man. The Florida State game was the height of the season. All the belief, everything, you and I were talking like, I'm not saying we're going to win the Natty, but like we're three games away right now. Oh, yeah. We were mentioning it. We were whispering about it. I mean, I was watching that Gonzaga game already doing a scouting report, like getting the podcast ready for like, that's what we were supposed to be talking about tonight was like the Gonzaga preview and the UCL break, UCLA breakdown. That's that's how it all was going to play out in my mind. Uh, obviously, the universe and uh you know, 49 points in a basketball game had other plans. 49 points that, oh, that hurts. Uh, that's, that's brutal. But um, the reason I, I wanted to end on the Florida State game there was because there's a lot of positives to take from that one going into next season. So we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about what we what we loved about this season, what we loved about this team, and what we think we might be able to see moving forward with this program that uh, right now is one of the hottest programs in the country. We'll be back right after this. All right. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. We uh, did a sufficient amount of crying over the break and got it out of our systems, at least enough to finish the second half of this podcast, where uh, we've decided we're not going to talk about football because we want to still like have some semblance of happiness. Yeah, I've already been, you know, avoiding cliffs, traffic, 
sharp objects today. And talking about football is just not conducive to long-term living for me. <laughs> it's not going to put us <laughs> on the right path. So we're sticking with basketball, which is clearly the bright spot of uh, well, the Michigan athletics that we cover. But Michigan baseball is also very exciting. Michigan hockey. I just uh, I, don't, I don't have as much time to keep up on all of those. So we're going to stick with what we know. And talking about the future of this Michigan basketball program that, like we were saying in the first half, you have to look at the the expectations for this team at the beginning of the season where they ended. This was a, a massively successful season, and the arrow is pointed up for this program, like sky high, number one recruiting class coming in after what we just witnessed on the court. Um, this has got to be one of the hottest programs in the country. Yeah, Michigan has the most NCAA tournament wins since 2013. I mean, just in one of the, like you said, the hottest programs, the recruiting class coming in is just I believe the first number one recruiting class since the Fab Five. Like, just, yeah, this is just absurd what's happening. And the fact that everybody on this team can return. Obviously, there's not enough roster spots and things like the logistics of that will be worked and shaken out. But I'm really interested to see who comes back and who leaves. Yeah, me as well. I mean, Mike Smith would make sense to try and come back. Um, You know, he's not going to the NBA and he could get one more year in the tournament just showcases skills. I don't know what to end, to what end that would be or if Juwan Howard even wants him to come back or if they want to move on. Um, but Eli Brooks and Mike Smith would be two names that I think would probably be the most likely to at least give it serious thought. I think so as well. And I believe at the guard position is what we really need to be bringing back as well. Like that's a spot of emphasis, I think, moving forward with the experience as well. Like you can't replace that. I would love Sean D. Brown to come back. He could have a shot in the second round, like you said, that maybe he stays and has a bigger role next year with if Brooks comes back to run point, Smith maybe leaves, and then Shaun Day Brown's there starting too. I think that's how I'd like it to go. Yeah, that <laughs> seems probably, too ideal, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah that seems like uh, maybe you thought about something you'd like to see. Because, yeah, I, I think Eli Brooks could run the point. Um, he's not quite the playmaker that Mike Smith was. Um, but he showed it in this game. I mean, they were running some some point with Brooks. They run some point with Franz Wagner at times. So I would be all right with Eli Brooks coming back, being your starting point guard to give Zeb Jackson a little bit more time to, to simmer. And then Sean Day Brown starting at two with Kobe Bufkin right behind him. Give me that all day. I would that love would, that. Oh, that would be fantastic. I mean, the team's going to get taller next year, assuming Smith is gone. I mean, his size really didn't matter too much. It did affect him in the paint when he would try to drive in against some of these bigger teams, really like with his runners and floaters and things like that. But defensively, I got to give credit to Mike Smith for being 5'10", with how quick he is and able to stay in front of like taller and longer guards was very impressive all tournament. And his speed did give him a different dimension too. I mean, he definitely wasn't going to get up and over anybody, but he's able to get guys onto some weird angles because he's so fast and can get, catch you off balance. Um, it really only caught up to him in the tournament. I mean, as a in-season point guard, he was awesome for us. And I really do like Mike Smith. I think his basketball IQ is just elite. And, you know, he, he's a really good point guard. I wouldn't mind if we found a way to maybe upgrade there. And I say that with all due respect to, to the kid or to the guy. But uh, I, I wouldn't mind upgrading there and seeing him move on. What about a guy like Austin Davis coming back? He's like, like you said, he's 41. So <laughs> it would be unprecedented. Yeah. Austin Davis has seen three presidents while playing at Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I think he's gone. I just think there's 
too, there's too many players coming in next year. I think he'd lose some of his rotational minutes. I would love for him to come back just because of the experience. You and I always say in college basketball, these experienced senior-laden teams are the ones that are winning. They're the ones that are going deep in the tournament with all those like valuable minutes you have accrued. It's a different game here. So I would love to have him back, but I just see with the new players coming in, Dickinson's going to be back. I'd be shocked if he left, just shocked. So I think he's gone, but man, I'd love to have him there. Yeah, that'd be cool. But you're right with uh, Musa Diabate coming in, um, the highly recruited center prospect. You probably want him to be getting your reserve center mm-hmm. minutes um, to start to you know work him into. I mean, that's going to be an extremely athletic. I mean, Dickinson followed by Diabate. That is that is troublesome. So you Dickinson goes out, and then in comes the uh, the more shot blocking athletic center. I mean, that's yeah. going to be pretty mean. So I do think I like that. Um, Brandon Johns probably coming back. Brandon Johns is definitely back. I think he's going to have a big role next season too. Oh yeah. I think, yeah. Dickinson next to Johns. That's physical. I mean, John showed, I said, I think I tweeted this early on in the season. I said, if he was just slightly more athletic, he showed me a little something in this, as far as athleticism in this tournament, yeah. he's, he's more athletic than I realized. He has a sneaky good handle too, for his size and mobility. Yeah. Like, like I mean, he's, he's almost like, playing like the the Blake Griffin of of Detroit era not the high flyer Blake Griffin <laughs> but the the Blake Griffin that's like an efficient passer and plays good defense and hustles and yeah he's got a very good basketball IQ and two times in this tournament he had steals at midcourt just being active and aware with his hands like I think Brandon Johns has a shot to be second team all Big Ten next year I really believe in what he showed during the tournament I think he's only going to get better yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see him starting, and he shoots like 35 percent from three. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't shoot a lot of them, but he shoots a pretty good clip from three. So, um, him coming back, and then Livers. I mean, that's the one everyone's just writing off. But I'm like you said earlier, he's kind of projected late second round, if that if at all. I mean, yeah. could he theoretically say, give it one more go? I mean, there could be just as many reasons why you don't come back. Um, because I mean, the injury this year being a really good reason why you might not is, you know, do you really want to risk an injury right before tournament time again and be in the same boat when you could have just gone this year and probably get drafted? It's, it's very interesting. Like you said, everyone's saying he's gone and he probably is. Maybe it's his just time to move on the natural attrition of things, but it's like, I feel like you and I are the guys that always defend people coming back because if we were in their position, like, yeah, baby, four more years, we're coming back. (laughs) Loving college, loving the team. And this could very well be a trickle down kind of effect. Like if Franz Wagner is like, hey, I'm coming back, then everything changes. I mean, that would, yeah, that's where we were going to get to next. Um, Yeah, Livers, it'll be interesting to see. I imagine he'll probably go. Wagner, you assume, will go. He's a lottery pick. Um, The fact that he shot the the low percentage, the 12% from three in this finals isn't going to hurt his draft stock too much because people look at the the free throw percentage and then they'll extrapolate that to three-point shooting. So he'll be fine there. And he showed so much defensively. And yeah. the fact that like point fronds, you and I were all about that. I mean, when his three isn't falling and he's still getting into the lane and creating, I mean, he has got a good handle. He's sneaky fast. Like he makes really good passes in the lane. Like that's a dude that's for sure going to be a quality NBA player. Like I'm positive that he is, um, but you could come back next year in a draft. That's not as deep as this one. And you might be able to play your way into a top five pick. Yeah, reasonable if he comes back and has a good tournament run. 
Mm-hmm. When I would say, I said before this game, it was a hundred percent chance he's gone. And after this game, I still say there's a 90% chance, but that 10% there, it, it matters. Like that's how you leave. That was your last moment. Like when Mo Wagner came back, we were all shocked. So I would, I really wouldn't be surprised in the fact that his freshman year was cut short and so weird due to COVID. It really wouldn't surprise me if he does come back and develops a little bit more. And to me, man, during the game, I knew we were in trouble when he missed his patented hook shot off the glass. I'm like, that's, that's just not good news. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when he missed his first three, cause I kept banking on it. I was like, all right, he shoots 37%. That means he's going to be hot this game. When he missed his first three, I'm like, oh, he's just, he's just way out of sync from downtown. This whole tournament, we're in trouble. It's, it was rough. And like, but to your point, like you, the tournament isn't going to determine his whole draft stock. It's about his potential and what he could become. And there's so much athleticism in that kid. Like he is, that's the domino that could change everything for Michigan next season. Like if he doesn't come back, Michigan's still in a great place. They're going to be a hell of a team, a top 10 team. But if Franz comes back, that's national championship team. I mean, it, that would be this, that would be exactly what people would start to think. If he decided he was coming back, they'd be like one of the odds on favorite Gonzaga is going to be really good again. Even after they send all these guys out, something tells me they're going to be like perennial, perennial, contenders now with what they've got coming in and that they're uh, number one favorites to land Walker Kessler, the five-star transfer from North Carolina. Like they're going to reload and there's going to be some really good teams, but Michigan to be right up there. And if you get Franz Wagner back they're like you said, they're already going to be right up there. You get Franz yeah. Wagner back and like, but then they get a target right on their back because that would be immediately one of the best teams coming back next year. No, the, the future is extremely bright for this team with Terrence Williams off the bench, Zeb Jackson showing flashes, just all the pieces. Brandon Johns showing growth in the tournament, and Jawan's only going to get better as well. Like He coached uh, two or three just masterful games in the tournament, wasn't at his best in this UCLA game, but this was his first NCAA tournament as a head coach. Like He's going to get better, and like he's going from national coach of the year, and he's going to get better. Like That's right. what I'm saying here. Right. <laughs> Like, pretty good for your first time out there. And, like, people also forget this was Franz Wagner's first time out there in a tournament run. So, like, he's basically a freshman as far as tournament play goes. So, I mean, the fact that he was a little out of sync and and Juwan Howard made a few errors in this UCLA game. Um, and, I mean, us saying that Juwan Howard made errors, there's probably very good reasons why he did the things that he did. He's a way better basketball mind than every critic and fan and analyst combined. But yeah, I, I just think they are. They're just going to get better. And with this recruiting class coming in and I don't know that they'll all come back. That seems unlikely, but I'm guessing there's going to be, I, I would say, put the over under at two guys coming back. Yeah. The, the crazy thing about this team in the tournament was Mike Smith, first tournament, Franz Wagner, first tournament, Hunter Dickinson, first tournament, Shondi Brown, first tournament, uh, Brandon Johns, who was a sophomore, isn't he? Uh, Brandon Johns, I think is a junior. Junior, yeah. okay. Well, either way, I mean, se- just he, second he, tournament he for year. him. Yeah, yeah. COVID year, so it's like, yeah. So there was just a lot of inexperience out there for this run, which is why if Isaiah Livers is there. We're having a totally different conversation right now. Oh yeah, I mean, the experience that he would have brought, the the tournament experience, would have been completely invaluable. And you know, it's a shame that he didn't get to be up, especially for that game. We win that game one hundred percent if he was in one hundred percent. Oh, we win that game by ten if Isaiah Livers is playing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just having him as that steady hand. I mean, he was our most consistent shooter too, and the three ball went pretty cold on this one, except for Sean Day. 
should have had more looks, but look, I'm letting it go. Letting we're it go. moving past it. Just, <laughs> it's okay. Things are fine. It's just sports. Just, oh, but yeah, that mean we're sitting here gloom and doom because this means a lot to us. We're passionate sports fans. Why we do what we do and feel how we feel, but the future is so bright for this team. Use your brain. Don't be a jerk online to kids. If you do, you have a pathetic life. Like, I'm sorry. Don't tag these kids. Don't go after them. Like, you, they're feeling way worse today than we are. They sacrifice their social life, everything the college experience is about for this basketball season. So, no, go kick rocks. If you think Franz Wagner is going to Venmo you for your lost bet, I think that you're living in a freaking fantasy world. <laughs> Franz Wagner made you get online and place a bet on college sports. That's not on him, brah. No, no, it's not. I'm sorry you gambled away your kid's college fund, but I think you have deeper issues to address. <laughs> yeah, we have bigger problems here than Franz Wagner. But he'll be, if he wants to, he'll be making the money to pay it next year. But, man, that'd be that'd be incredible if he comes back. How how cool was it to see Jalen Rose courtside last night in the Michigan hat and everything? Oh, man, and just like he was living and dying for it too. But was that the first uh, tournament game that he attended? I believe so. I haven't seen him in any of the other ones, and it's just... It's his fault, then. The, <laughs> the the magic that Jawan brings to the program and everyone everyone surrounding it is just... It's so intoxicating. Like, it is so easy to root for this team. I said it during the season. This is this was like the, the 2018 Michigan football team to me. Like, that was probably my favorite football team of recent memory because of the revenge tour, the all the fun, the winning streak... It was like this team, you know, they were resilient, came back from the COVID scare, super hot, blowing out uh, Luca Garza, just beating Ohio State in an epic battle, going on this run unexpectedly, predicted sixth in the Big Ten, finished in the Elite Eight. Like, it was a hell of a season. It really was. This will for sure go down as one of my all-time favorite teams. I'm not ready to rank it yet. I need uh, the pain of this last loss to wear off a little bit before I decide where they fall, but... You're, I mean, everything you said is completely true, and I agree with it. And they probably will end up being my favorite. Um, the, you know, the one thing, you know, the the just the thorn in the side of it is that if Isaiah Livers would have been there for the run, like clearly it would have been my favorite all-time team. Because you get that connective tissue, you know, of Isaiah Livers being on that pass team as well, like that that also had an incredible run. And then to have him be on both teams, like just kind of bridging the gap between the eras, that's really cool. And he was on the team for a lot of the year. So that's still yeah. you know, just not in the tournament run. So, yeah, I, I will look back on it finally. I just need time. Just need time. You know, what will help is that next year, Hunter Dickinson's National Player of the Year campaign. That'll help a lot. When Hunter Dickinson gets a right hand, God be with you. Oh my God, that uh, campaign, it starts now, by the way. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're going to lead that. The Hunt Dick campaign is real. <laughs> and we'll be on it and uh, we'll be here to cover it, man. But all right, uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. We're not going to get into football, but uh, we will starting next week. It's draft season, so I am excited about that. We'll get into our spring draft. We'll get into the NFL draft and you know, we'll uh, begrudgingly move over to football. Not sure that that's going to really uh, brighten our spirits, but nonetheless, that's where we're headed. <laughs> going to have a nice Giles Jackson roast next week, so be sure to tune into that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we get to talk about Giles Jackson transferring. That'll be that'll be a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's going to be a. It'll be dark, but we're going to have some fun with it and talk about different things. And eventually, we're going to talk ourselves into Michigan going twelve and zero. So that's fun. We always do. All right, brother, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. 
follow us on Twitter at Mason Brew. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.